and we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Season 4, episode 13, here with you live on a Tuesday, as always, when we record. I'm your host, as always, the voice of NAI Baseball, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063. If you want to get at me on Twitter, joining me in a moment, we will have the foremost authority on NAI Baseball, Mr. NAI Ball himself, Cody Butler, will join us. But this week, a pack show, shout-outs and mentions, best of the week. We're going to go over some of the best series last weekend, and then we are going to discuss some of the tightest conferences out there, the CCAC, the Wolverine Hoosier, the Red River, and the GSAC East. Then we've got our NAI Ball Podcast Hitter and Pitcher of the Week, games and series that you need to be watching in our big series of the week. Before we get into the show, we have to tell you about our friends who sponsor the show over at Silverback Sports. That's shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback on socials. They are providing arm care and training equipment to some of the best teams around the New York Yankees, for example. Teams from the major leagues, organizations in college, high schools, anybody has access to this equipment and they're using it. And you need to check it out right now. You need to support the people who support the NAI Ball Podcast. That's all Cody and I ask for, is support the people who help the NAI Ball Podcast survive, prosper, and thrive every single week. So do us a favor while you're listening to the show. Go check out shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback on Twitter and Instagram. Like all their photos, like all their tweets. Check out the arm care and training essentials that you need, durable for individual or team use. That's shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback on socials. Silverback Sports, check them out today. So now we can bring in the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody Butler himself. Cody, baby, what's going on today? Oh, man, I am living right. It's a packed Tuesday. A lot of good NAI games across the country today. So just watching some NAI baseball, checking out this good Tuesday night. I'm doing the same thing, man. I'm always watching an NAI game, uh, you know, unless the Astros are on. Uh, but I'm always watching an NAI game, you know, while we record the podcast. I've got LSUA and William Carey on the you know, going on right now on the TV, just trying to check out some different teams that I haven't gotten a look at this year. So definitely doing that right now. Uh, Cody, I did want to say we're going to cue the audience in on something possibly exciting happening here in the next couple of weeks, but we are looking into merchandise for the NAI Ball podcast. I know when I wear the, uh, the other day when we did the top 25 rundown on Instagram Live, a lot of questions about the shirt that I was wearing, which is an NAI Ball shirt. Uh, we had so many entries into the competition for uh, 10 free NAI Ball shirts. We got those out. We are looking into merchandising for the NAI Ball podcast. It would be something maybe we're still a few weeks away from working out some kinks. But, Cody, I mean, that's pretty exciting for us. I mean, we're growing every single day, every single year, and uh, this is definitely something cool for us. Absolutely, baby. No better way to spread the brand than put some merchandise. Obviously puts our name out there, puts the NAI name out there. Conversation starter. Hey, what's the NEI? There you go. Inform, tell a friend, and uh, hopefully we can just continue to grow this game. I'm not even going to lie. I'm thinking about, you know, we're, we're right now my my 12U team is sponsored by Farmers Insurance. I'm, I'm thinking maybe next next spring we'll be sponsored by NAI Ball. It's, you know, a couple hundred dollars. I, I think I can we can we can make that happen. You, you want us? We could sponsor the uh, the McAllen Astros. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Get those boys to Williamsport. Get out there. Get you, Get us into the Little League World Series. Get the eyeball on the map. So, you know, Cody, a lot going on this week. Uh, it has been a big week for us. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got some shout-outs and mentions here. But before, again, we talked about the merchandise. And, of course, something big for you and me and a lot of people out there, absolute first drop of the year of MLB The Show available to everyone today. So I know that's something that you and I get excited about every single year uh, for me for several years and for you for the last, you know, last year and, and this year. I mean, but uh, the game so far so good, right? Absolutely. Until last night when they let those Xbox guys on. Uh, no, it was tough when the servers were down, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I absolutely love the game. I do want to make a plea for help. If you're out there listening, my friend, uh, earlier in the season, a player for USCB South Carolina Buford messaged us on Instagram and was like, hey, I love to make jerseys. He sent me some pictures, some cool jerseys he did. 
He was like, I would love to make y'all some uniforms. And I was like, yo, I'm so down. I went <laughs> to find it and I cannot find the message to save my life. So if you're out there, buddy, please hit us back up because I, I need those uniforms. And uh, I just have no idea his name, unfortunately. Sorry about that. And uh, But I would like for him to contact us if he hears it. Absolutely. We we would definitely be interested in your services if you can do that. Let's get into some shout outs and some mentions for the week. It is leading off with Doan head baseball coach Josh Oltman's won his 100th career game as the Tigers head coach on Saturday in a win over Dakota Wesleyan. Congratulations to Josh. Both Indiana Kokomo and head coach Matt Howard won their 100th game on Saturday in just over three seasons. Congratulations to the IU Kokomo program and coach Matt Howard. Oklahoma City first baseman Dalton Reed, who is on a tear, 10 for 15, two doubles, a triple, three home runs, 12 RBIs in the series sweep over Wayland Baptist. He's now hitting 463 with 17 home runs and 51 RBIs. That's a guy that you're going to have to watch down the road for some possible all-NAI ball looks. Wayland Baptist center fielder Luis Vargas went 14 for 22 this weekend against OCU with six home runs and 13 RBIs. He's hitting 503 this season, 24 home runs and 66 RBIs. He leads the nation in both home runs, RBIs, and total bases. Trinity International left fielder Sam Willis went four for four with three home runs and a win on Saturday. Lord's designated hitter Noah Childress went 13 for 22 on the week with six doubles, a home run, and six RBIs. Reinhardt starting pitcher Ethan Foley threw a nine-inning complete game shutout in the conference win over point. USCB starting pitcher Blaze Minnick punched out 10 without allowing a run in the complete game victory over Ave Maria. No earned runs allowed in that one. Cody, those are our shout-outs and mentions this week. Some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're starting to see some of our guys heat back up, like Luis Vargas on an absolute tear. Uh, back to six home run week. Really excited to see what he can do. Just incredible to think about what he did last season and to just repeat it this year. I mean, he hit 500 last year with the 20 home runs. Uh, I've always said, you know, the hitting 500 for him was way more impressive than the 20 home runs. And to go back out there this season and to hit north of 500 again, you know, hit 20 home runs again, uh, just really stellar. He's elite. Obviously, he's the front runner to win National Player of the Year. You know, I'm glad we were able to give Dalton Reed a shout out too because Dalton Reed has been stellar, came in as a Kentucky transfer and been really, really good for Oklahoma City. Obviously, he's you know one of the first basements that we're looking at for our all NAI ball team. So really good offensive performances. I also want to give a shout out to Gary Mattis. You know, Gary Mattis is heating back up now. Three home runs in the last 24 hours. He now has 20 on the season. Uh, there's a lot of really good hitters in this league, man, and I'm just really looking forward to this race down the stretch. There are a lot of really good hitters in this league is an understatement. Gary Mattis has been on fire. He had not had a home run since 329. He has three in the last 24 hours for Tennessee Wesley, and he is finding it and heating back up. And that's not to say that he wasn't already hot because he had such a great start to the year. You're kind of like, all right, well, where are the RBIs? Where are the home runs? Where, you know, but he's still hitting in the middle of that order, Cody, and he was still producing, getting hits making things happen, and there are a lot of guys. I mean, even if you decide to pitch around them, who the heck are you going to pitch to in that lineup? Yeah, I mean, there's just so much insurance, honestly, like with Hogason right behind him, and then, like, you look at Bryce Giles hitting in front of him and Carson Ford. Uh, he's he, It's a luxury. And honestly, with Waylon Baptist, too, you know, Vargas has Marco Rivera, you know, Gregory Azuna at the top of the lineup. Those are both really good lineups. You look at a couple of years ago, we mentioned it before with Aaron Shackelford. Uh, he hit 36 home runs, thanks in large part to the guy behind him, Anthony LaPrey, another draft pick. Uh, he hit 28. So you need some help because if you don't have help, they're just never going to pitch to you. And uh, these guys are getting it done when they get the opportunity. We moved to week in review, Cody. A lot to go over this week. Uh, a lot to kind of look at. But we're going to kick things off with what was our big series of the week in Loyola. And Middle Georgia State went at it in Cochrane, Georgia. Loyola wins the Southern States Athletic Conference Series two games to one over MGSU. Five to two, Middle Georgia won that pivotal game one. It was really close going down the stretch there. Middle Georgia was able to pull out a four-run inning and really set the tone for the rest of the series. But then Loyola comes out on day two, wins game number one of the day, which was game number two of the series, excuse me, 12 to five and then sweeps the doubleheader on the second day in game number three, 11-8 Loyola to take the series two games to one. Loyola has really set the pace so far this season in the Southern States Athletic Conference, Cody. 
I mean, they are in first place right now ahead of Faulkner. They beat Middle Georgia State in the series. You expect that, you know, possibly depending on what the results are like this weekend against Mobile, that they could be looking at at the two spot, you know, even the one spot, just depending on how things go. You know, I don't I don't know how Faulkner's gonna do. I don't think they should have any problems, any big problems with with Blue Mountain. Uh, I still think Faulkner probably gets the one ranking in those conference rankings for this weekend come after this weekend. But if Loyola handles business against Mobile this weekend, you have to think that they're going to get put in front of middle Georgia state because of the results in the conference. I agree with that. Going back to game one, a uh, really good first game of the series. Me and you were both watching it. Uh, Loyola took the two to one lead in the six. We were like, okay, uh, they got to Garrett Martin a little bit, but then middle Georgia responds and that's all they need for Garrett Martin. Garrett Martin this year has 92 strikeouts and 66 innings, uh, 2-2 ERA. He's a legit ace for Middle Georgia. And we thought that, okay, maybe if Loyola was going to drop a game, that would be the one, and they did. Peyton Alexander, their second baseman, led off game two with a home run, and they never looked back the next two games. Uh, they controlled game two and game three. A big series win for them. Like you said, Mobile is ahead of them. One of the biggest series in program history for them, like without question. If they go and they handle business, Faulkner just swept Mobile last weekend. Faulkner still has to play Middle Georgia State. You know, that's going to be obviously an elite series, two top 10 teams in the nation. Or I guess Middle Georgia's at 11, but... They're playing like a top 10 team. I mean, yeah. there's three teams in this conference playing like top 10 teams. Right, and I do agree that it's, it's you know, Loyola, if they handle business, there's no way they're not going to slot in front of them. I mean, there are some people that make the argument they won the series at Faulkner. They're ranked ahead of Faulkner in the conference. It wasn't like some fluke thing. They could be ranked the number one team in that league right now. So like I said, I think the biggest thing for Loyola is to just handle business ahead of you with Mobile. A huge series with Mobile, honestly, massive. If they take the series against Mobile, I think they're going to be the one seed. Like, regardless of, you know, who's ranked whatever in the top 25, it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, you only get one bid for the league, uh, one automatic qualifier. So they're going to have to go into that tournament. And to go into it as the one seed, that's really the most important. Yeah, it is, because if, if Faulkner's the two, you don't have to see them till down further down the line. And and I think that's that's the big deal, and and especially Middle Georgia's the three. You know, you're t- talking about them seeing each other before you see them. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that one. Uh, but you know, it was a great series. It, man, that was some really good baseball. And shout out to Middle Georgia because uh, they at least have uh, you know you have a crowd mic going on. It's it's great and to be able they to exercise that fully. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, it, yeah that is a rough environment. No, it, it is it is a rough environment. It's it's really really a tough place to play. But more than anything, Cody, I mean, it, it was something that you and I both kind of watched quite a bit of this weekend. Uh, so it was definitely good. I think the Southern States is a three bid conference, no matter what. I know they only get one automatic bid, but I think that's that's been arguably, and I know I'm a TSC guy, but arguably it's been the best conference in the nation this year. Very deep conference, uh, top to bottom, even at the bottom. It's been really good this year. Uh, look at guys like Blue Mountain. We talked about Blue Mountain. Uh, you got to take Blue Mountain. You got to go out to them with your best because Eli Jackson's a legit arm for them. Strikes out a lot of batters. He's a good lefty. So big year for the Southern States. Big year for Loyola. And I'm excited to see how it finishes. Absolutely. We move on to our next week in review series, St. Thomas versus Weber International. Cody, St. Thomas sweeps the series over WIU. Nine eight seven four ten seven. They head into play this weekend with Southeastern. They set themselves up for an interesting battle, but they're going to need a sweep against Southeastern to be able to have an advantage in that conference. I, I believe Southeastern might have missed a week. I'm not sure. I believe they have, they have two weeks left, and St. Thomas, I believe this is it for them with Southeastern coming up here. It's going to be really interesting, but one of those things where do we want to make a prediction on this? Cause the last one didn't go so well. Yep. You know, I'll eat that. I was wrong before. I love, <laughs> I love the call out on social media. I honestly got a really good kick out of it. I thought it was hilarious. I think Robbie, you can attest to it. When I found out, I thought it was funny. I was wrong. You know, I flat out wrong. I thought Weber was going to win the series and they did not. Uh, credit to St. Thomas, three really good games though. I mean, really good games. Game one, St. Thomas walked it off in 12 innings. They won nine to eight back and forth game there. Uh, game two was tied four to four in the eighth inning. Uh, St. Thomas scored three runs, one seven to four, and then the third game was eight to seven in the eighth inning. St. Thomas put up two runs in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, they won ten to seven. All three of those games were really good. I think Weber's a really good team. Uh, St. Thomas proved me wrong this week. St. Thomas was the better team this weekend. They're just a little bit better in all three games, and they really set themselves up in an opportunity. They had to sweep Weber. Think about it. Uh, they were six down. They had to sweep Weber, and now they have to sweep Southeastern. 
Um, it was their only chance, and they got it done. So obviously, there's a lot to play for for them this weekend. It's going to be a good. It's going to be a good matchup, man. I'm not, I'm not doing it to myself again. But two really, <laughs> really two really good teams. Uh, they're both really good, and uh, you know, obviously, I will admit I was wrong on St. Thomas writing them off for the season. They're clearly not done, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this matchup with Southeastern. It's it's going to be really interesting, man. I mean, you know, it, it's they swept Weber coming into it. It's going to be really hard to sweep Southeastern. Uh, they're Southeastern 37 and four on the year. St. Thomas coming into the day 30 and 16. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I could see Southeastern dropping a game, uh, but just the way that they've played all year, you know, it just really depends on on what their arms look like going into the weekend. There's been some weekends where Southeastern looks untouchable, and there's been some weekends where they give up some runs. The problem is, is can you slow down their bats? Does the St. Thomas have the pitching to slow down their bats? Uh, that's going to be the interesting part of of everything. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. They're going to need a sweep over Southeastern to have a tie for first place. Uh, and obviously they would they would win that tiebreaker because they they won the season series. Um, it's it, it'll be interesting. Southeastern has to go on the road the final two weeks. They got to go down Alligator Alley for the last weekend against Ave Maria, and then they got to go to uh, Miami Gardens and play St. Thomas. So they have to head south for the next two weeks. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. UAV, Cody defeated the number six team in Division Three by a score of 9-4 to four and 2-1. to one. So D3 number six, Cal Lutheran, gets swept by Antelope Valley, who has not had a lot of games this season. Two huge wins for UAV heading into a bigger weekend this week. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just great for the brand. You see what Antelope Valley does take care of D3 teams. We've always said it. We feel, obviously, in AI baseball superior to D3 baseball. And uh, they went out there and represented the brand very well. Uh, shout out to Ramos. Ramos, you know, carried a no hitter into the eight innings last week, put up 13 strikeouts this week with eight innings against the number six team. Yeah, shout out to the Cal Pack for taking D3 to the woodshed the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, UAV taking care of Cal Lutheran this weekend and then Westcliff was able to knock off Chapman last season. Chapman was the defending national champion. So, yeah, shout out to our California teams representing the NAI well out there all season, too, even in the GSAC this year against D2 teams, really good D2 teams in Point Loma and Azusa Pacific. And our California NAI teams are very strong. And shout out to Antelope Valley. Like I said, they haven't played very much this season, but I feel like this weekend we'll know all we need to know about this program. Yeah, we'll find out a lot. You know, we had a coach today tell us that they're, that they're a really good program. He felt like they were a top 25 program. You know, it's just going to be really tough, Cody, at the end of the day, if they don't win their conference because uh, they've only played 20 games. And it's going to be really hard to justify getting them, getting them in there. Yeah, I agree. And that coach, by the way, that was bragging on them was a head coach out of a team of another conference, uh, not even a CalPAC conference team that was bragging up on Antelope Valley today. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're really looking forward to obviously it's our big series of the week. And uh, shout out to Antelope Valley. Isaiah Ramos has been a dude for them. Uh, 16 innings last couple of weekends. He's been really good. Cody, last week in review, but it was really tough weekends for Reinhardt and Brian dropping series to Point and Columbia International. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough when you're the second team in the conference. You're both fighting. I mean, Brian and Reinhardt have been fighting for that number two spot all year, even since the preseason. And uh, they've, you know, they've been both feeling that they're the second best team in the conference. And you both have an opportunity. Uh, Reinhardt gets upset by point twice. And then Brian gets upset by Columbia International twice. So they're basically back where they started. Uh, no one gained any ground. And we know nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's the tough part is, is we know nothing. And speaking of we know nothing, we have chosen four conferences to really do kind of a deeper look at this weekend that are really tight. And they're conferences that a lot can happen in the next couple of days uh, going into this weekend talking about the CCAC who had its top four teams play each other. St. Xavier won the series over number one Judson two to one and then number two Olivet Nazarene won their series over the team that was then the number one St. Ambrose two games to one. St. Ambrose now sits in third taking a look at the CCAC standings Cody. Judson leads by a game and a half over Olivet Nazarene, St. Ambrose two and a half over St. Francis three and a half over IU South Bend and four over St. Xavier. So just in that little area right there, you know, coming into the last two weeks of the season, you've got really six teams that are going to be in, you know, contention for a spot. There is, you know, a, a really big opportunity here 
to the conference champion of the regular season. And then, of course, that that tournament bid is going to be really interesting to watch as well in this conference, Cody. This is going to be something big. I mean, really big opportunities for the teams up front. Obviously, Judson and Olivet Nazarene would be the front runners right now. Uh, just huge opportunities for these two teams to punch an automatic qualifier. I mean, to be able to go in the conference tournament with house money, I mean, obviously that would be incredible for both teams. I believe you'd agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I would. I mean, literally, you're you're just a few games away from punching your ticket. One of those two teams, I think Judson and Olivet Nazarene, I think are are the front you know, two teams. I know St. Ambrose is right there and just two and a half games back at St. Francis. Judson right now, I think, might have maybe the better arms in that conference right now to be able to, to get something done. Uh, 18 and 13 on the season, 17 and five in the conference. There, there usually is one team, and we see it every year, that sets itself apart from everybody else. And it's like, wow, that team was, you know, St. Xavier that year was so much better or, or, you know, Judson that year was so much better. And we don't have that this year. This is a tighter race than we're used to seeing in this conference. And it's going to get really interesting really fast, man. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you're really not wrong, especially this weekend. I mean, you look at the series this weekend between Olivet Nazarene and Judson, it's huge. You literally got number one versus number two. And if you're Olivet Nazarene and you win that series, your series, your schedule lightens up. I mean, you played the bottom two teams in the conference the rest of the season. So if you're mm-hmm. all of that Nazarene, man, it feels like if you go in there and you get this job done, what a what a weekend for them it could be, honestly. Uh, looking at some of their players, they've actually been pretty good this year. They've had tough non-conference. So has Judson. I mean, shout out to Judson. They played Faulkner on the road. That's not easy. But for all of that Nazarene, they may have the number one Friday night guy in the conference. Ethan Underwood has been a dude. 61 innings pitched this year, 339 ERA. Has 55 strikeouts, got six wins on the season. He's a guy that can go in there. You win Friday night games. You know how I feel. You win that opener. You just got to split the next day. I, I like their chances. Terry Daniels has been really good. 348 on the season, seven home runs, 45 RBIs. I mean, he's a guy that could potentially win player of the year for them. So I, I really think Olivet Nazarene and Judson are the two teams with everything to lose. St. Xavier is really talented. They dropped the series at St. Ambrose. That hurt them. St. Ambrose last weekend. That hurt them. Right now, I feel like the path is the easiest for those top two teams. But, man, when it comes to that conference tournament, this league is so deep, especially at the top, I have no idea who get that second bid. It's just going to be who plays the best those three days. And I think that tournament's going to be really fun. Played at a beautiful facility in Joliet. I know all their games are going to be streamed through the CCAC's website. I'm really, really looking forward to that tournament. I mean, it's going to be a really good one because every team makes a tournament this year. Every team gets a shot. I'm really looking forward to that. A couple of play-in games as well, you know, to to get into that uh, tournament. It'll be really interesting to see. But I do have to say that the, the path looks easier, and that's not to discount anybody in this conference, but the path looks easier for all of it, Nazarene, granted that they can handle business against Judson because after that, they've got some teams who are, are further down. They're going to play the bottom three teams in the conference, Cody, for their, right. for their last, you know, um, and, and they play a lot of conference games. They're going to play Judson on the 23rd, Judson on the 24th. Then the 26th, they turn right back around and play Lincoln twice. Uh, they're going to play Trinity Christian twice two days later. And then to end the season, the last weekend, they're going to play Calumet St. Joseph. So the path for Olivet Nazarene is a lot easier than the path for Judson, who's going to have to play Olivet Nazarene on the 24th. They get some days off to re- recover. They're going to play IU South Bend twice, who's in that fifth-place spot right now. And then they're going to play the third-place team, St. Francis. So it, it looks like the path for Judson is is a little bit rockier. You don't know what's going to happen. But they've really come out and handled business this year to you know pretty well in those big games. They split with St. Ambrose uh, the, first two, the first two times they played. But then the third game, they went ahead and won big 12-5. They lost two games. They won that first game against St. Xavier, dropped the next two. I mean, they've had their opportunities to kind of set things apart here. They've got some, they had a tough start to the season, but I mean, they played Faulkner, Warner, and St. Thomas. So, I mean, they beat a Bellevue team that's doing really well right now in the NSAA. It'll be really interesting. They met St. South Bend once already this year. They lost five to three. So, you know, it's going to be interesting for Judson to see what they do. When it comes to pitching staffs, though, Cody, Judson is the top pitching staff in the conference right now with a 4.27 ERA. Only three teams have a below five ERA in this conference, and Judson being one of them, a 4.27 ERA. But when it comes to hitting as an overall conference, that Olivet Nazarene team 
and St. Francis, two of the three final teams that Judson is going to have to play are both batting over 300. They're both hitting 307 this year. Yeah, I'm thinking Judson, a lot of that is that freshman pitcher they have, Andres. I mean, he's been incredible, 6'3 freshman, uh, 3-1-2 ERA in 40 innings, but he has a 59 strikeouts in 40 innings, really good stuff. Uh, people are only hitting 204 off of him. And if you look at their bat, we've heard about him this morning, Alex Spang. Uh, different coaches hyping him up. He's been really good. Uh, three doubles, four home runs, 30 RBIs, leads the team with 41 hits. Judson, man, they, they, like I said, I, if they take this series, you can maybe lose a couple of games to St. Francis. You know what I mean? So this series is huge for Judson. I mean, obviously it's huge for Judson. For all of that Nazarene, I mean, if you take it, I mean, like I said, I feel like I feel like they're definitely going to be the favorite to win the title then. Mm-hmm. Well, just to talk about this conference tournament a little bit. So it's going to be held in Joliet May 7th. There's three playing games, like you mentioned. The sixth seed team is going to host the 11th seeded team on their campus. The seventh seeded team will host number 10, and eight will host number nine. So six hosts 11, seven hosts 10, eight hosts nine. If all things you know go according to chalk, six, seven, eight will join the top five teams in Joliet. And then you're going to get your eight-team field in Joliet. I really like the way this format's set up, kind of looking like a little hardish. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a little hard this year. I like it. Uh, yeah, so three playing games with everything on the line. So that honestly makes being a top five team in this conference huge because you don't want to play in a play-in game. I mean, you play in a play-in game as a six seed, you lose that 11 seed, your season's over. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think just this is going to be a really fun conference to look forward to down the stretch. It really is. It really is. I'm, I'm really – the more I look at it, Cody, the more I look at the numbers and things like that. I mean, Judson leads the league in, in home runs with, with 33. They're averaging – they're the only team averaging one home run a game. But they've got to play an IU South Bend team who's got 25 on the year. And they, they lead the conference – Cody with the most home runs in a single game. And it came against probably one of the better teams in the area that, that the CCAC teams have had to play this year in Indiana Wesleyan for IU South Bend. So, I mean, the, the path for Judson just looks tougher. And then on top of that, in they've already dropped a game this season to IU South Bend. Uh, they, they had an opportunity against St. Xavier to kind of put some distance. It was kind of tough for them. I mean, all of it, Nazarene, you have to be thinking, you know, I come into this weekend, I strap it up, I strap it, you know, I'm, I'm ready to roll, I handle my business, and we are going to make good things happen the rest of the way if we just come out and play good baseball. Because at the end of the day is you want that assurance first and foremost to say, no matter what happens in this conference tournament, we are good. We are going somewhere. We are playing somewhere. We still want to have a good conference tournament because we need a good showing. We don't, we don't want to get sent to Athens, Tennessee. You know, it, it's one of those things that you, you have that assurance at the end of the day that you're going on, you're moving on to the next round. Because when you don't, it is overly, overly hectic when that selection show comes out. Are we in? Are we not? Where are we going? When, you know, you don't give an, a, a, when you don't reward a regular season champion in your two bid league. I mean, it is, it is, and you don't finish in that qualification process in the conference tournament, you don't get an automatic bid out of that. I mean, it is going to be really hard for a a team to sit there and say, all right, what's the deal? Because you're in a conference that honestly is probably only going to get two bids, Cody. Well, there's no probably about it. Let's be honest. They're going to get two bids. There's no if, answer, buts. But what's interesting, man, because that six, seven, and eight have to do the play-in game, Indiana South Bend right now would be the cutoff. They're the fifth seed. San Xavier's the six. San Xavier's schedule is a lot easier down the stretch than Indiana South Bend. So South Bend, right now, they're outside of the play-in game, but they have Judson left and St. Ambrose, which are obviously three and four in that conference right now. Uh, San Xavier has two teams in the bottom half, like nine and 11. So, man, it's going to be really tough to just see who punches that ticket because right now you just want to be a top five team and get to Joliet. I mean, I think right now San Xavier, they played a tough schedule. San Xavier's a team that, Honestly, I feel like they're better than their 12 and 8 record shows in conference. Mm-hmm. I think that they're a team. I mean, you look at their catcher, uh, Orzic has been one of the best players in the whole conference. He's a freshman. He's hitting over 430 for them. I'm looking forward to it. We agree that Judson, Olivet, Nazarene is basically an NAI ball big series of the week. We're going to be treating it as that. We're looking forward to it as that because the winner of that comp, the winner of that series sets themselves up for the automatic bid. Absolutely agree. Cody, let's move on to the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. And in this conference right now, up by one game is Concordia University Ann Arbor. They lead by one game at 11-3 and three in WAC play. Cornerstone one game back. Indiana Tech one game back. 
Uno three games back, Madonna and Lawrence Tech each four games back, and then a team who has not played a lot of games at all in, in Dearborn, Michigan Dearborn, is five games back. You know, I, I just want to look here really at the top three or four that are within three games of each other, and we've got a big one this weekend happening in this conference. The Wolverine Hoosier, Cody, has been pretty tight, and things are going to get very, very, very Interesting. You've got, you know, uh, Northwestern Ohio taking on Cornerstone, a chance for Uno to move itself up. Concordia is going to play Siena Heights. I'm really interested to see what happens overall down the stretch in this conference, Cody. Well, like you said, Cornerstone, man, tough weekend for them. They got Northwestern Ohio, like you said, but they also have Indiana Tech. Uh, so the way they do it with these two game series, it's so confusing to me, I'll be honest. But they'll play two teams on Saturday, or they'll play the same team on Saturday twice and then play a team on Sunday twice. Big weekend for Cornerstone. Obviously, they're sitting there with a good 9-3 and three record. I would be interested to see what their record is on Monday. But Concordia Ann Arbor, I would believe, is the favorite down the stretch. Because, I mean, they have Siena Heights, Lords, and Madonna left. They avoid you know, they avoid the top four teams, obviously, in this conference. I don't see how they would not be the favorite. Do you agree with that? Looking at the path to victory, Concordia, they look to be on a path to potentially get a regular season bid. And good for Concordia because, you know, we know Concordia. They're a team that perfect game puts in their top 25 every year. They're obviously on the fringe of the coaches' poll every season and has been knocking on the door for an opening round. And how huge would it be for that program to finally get there? Yeah, so they won 40 games in, in 2017, you know, and they've they've been 30-plus game winners every year, of course, not counting COVID year, but every year since 2016. They're on the path to that right now. You know, they they were a 40 game, they were a 42 game winner in 2017. Uh, this is a team that, as far as the conference goes, you know they they lead the earned run average by a hefty margin, almost a full point. You know they they've got the number one staff so far in the conference with a three point seven eight ERA, which is a fantastic ERA. You know for for the entire nation, Cody. I mean they are number seven in total stolen bases in the nation. They're top fifteen in earned run average in the nation. You know they're they're out there. They're playing good baseball. They're having a good season so far. I think it's it's really going to be interesting to see what happens down the road. The only thing is is that offensively, and they're top three offense in the league as well, but Cornerstone also a very good offense uh, hitting 312. There are some really good offenses so far. I mean, Lords is hitting 301 in this conference, Cody, with Concordia, Michigan behind them at 300. Uno hitting 294. I mean, this really is going to be interesting to come down the stretch here, Concordia. You know, playing Siena Heights, Lords, Madonna to kind of close out the year. I'm I'm really excited about the Wolverine Hoosier because it, it's a closer race, I think, than not that we've seen than we've seen the last couple of years, but oh, it's a closer race with some with some different teams because I mean we were we were looking at Madonna Indiana Tech battles and now we're looking at Concordia and Cornerstone. Yeah, it is different. I mean, like Northwestern Ohio, even uh, it is different. The thing that's helping Concordia Ann Arbor. Uh, what an ace they have in Tyson Kleinfelter. Tyson Kleinfelter is third in the nation in ERA. So he has 53 innings on the year, 1-3-6 ERA, 6-0, 56 strikeouts. People are only hitting a buck 84 off of him. Uh, just been an absolute dude. Uh, Kleinfelter, can't talk about him enough. Obviously, probably going to win their conference pitcher of the year in the back. Offensively, they're getting it done. I mean, they have a guy with eight home runs. They have a couple guys. Calvin's been hit eight home runs on the season, seven doubles three triples, 74 total bases. Obviously, like I said, I think they're the front runner. Their schedule proves the easiest path of resistance. And uh, yeah, I look for Ann Arbor to punch their ticket. Obviously, you know, we went into this season thinking it would be Indiana Tech. Obviously been on a run. Indiana Tech's been playing extremely well. Uh, They want to say they won like their last 10 of their last 11. They don't control their own destiny. Ann Arbor does. So if CUA Mm -hmm. can get it done, and I think they will. I just think they're going to be looking at their record, looking at their conference record, and looking at their opponents left. I think that they're going to be your regular season champion. Yeah, I, I think that they've got they've got the best shot. Honestly, I think uh, Indiana Tech has really kind of recovered from a slower start to the season than we were used to. That's that's no fault of theirs. They they played Tennessee Wesleyan, and you know scored two runs in three games against Tennessee Wesleyan. That's a really tough pitching staff and offense to face to begin the year. And then they played Taylor and and they their offense didn't click much better other than uh, two one-run games, but they got held to one run three times in that series. Uh, they, they played Goshen in a neutral site game and, and got their first win. And for the first time all season, their offense clicked in a 24-0 victory. But, you know, 
they've they've had some tough losses this year. You know, they had a stretch where they lost the two games to Concordia. They lost some some games to some in, interstate teams that maybe in the past they would have beaten in in Indiana Wesleyan and, and IU Kokomo. They're there. They're there. They have a chance. They're ten and four. They've played well so far in their conference play. Uh, they they have their opportunities. Cornerstone will be a big test for them. And then you're going to have to handle your business going down the stretch with Sienna High, Lawrence Tech, and Madonna, and just see what happens and hope that you can get hot going into conference tournament play. But I, I think it's it's Concordia Ann Arbor's you know uh, bid to lose. I think that'll be that'll be something that that we're really going to watch down the stretch here, Cody. The Red River Athletic Conference is another one, Cody, that is absolutely crazy, and we have no idea what is going to happen down the stretch. Currently, LSU Alexandria holds a one-game lead over Our Lady of the Lake. They're 13-3. and Olu is 16-4. and Now, they do play four-game series. Our Lady of the Lake is not playing a four-game series this weekend against a conference opponent. LSU Alexandria faces fourth place Texas A&M Texarkana. Going into the final weekend, Cody, Our Lady of the Lake will take on fifth place UH Victoria. And LSU Alexandria, who has to handle business against Texas A&M Texarkana, will then face third place LSU Shreveport. Now, we earlier in the year were ready to say this is Shreveport's conference. I said this is Shreveport's conference. Shreveport did not come out against Our Lady of the Lake like they would have liked. They came out flat in San Antonio, and Olu made them pay for it. Now, Olu has a very tough loss this past weekend to Southwest. It's hard to beat anybody four times in a row. But that, you know, without uh, no HT, no Texas College, no Wiley this year, Southwest sits at the bottom of the, po- of, of the standings there. And Southwest was able to come into that series and take a game from Our Lady of the Lake. And that's an important game because instead of being tied or a game up in a series that LSUA and Olu split, LSUA now sits a game up on Our Lady of the Lake. Moving into the final two weeks, Cody, this is going to be massive because nobody's out yet. LSU Shreveport is not out yet because Ellis, you know, LSU Shreveport could come out Win their next two weeks, depending on, you know, I, I'm trying to look right now to see who they play. I want to say that they, uh, obviously I know that they play LSU yeah, and they play they Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah, they got so Jarvis this weekend. You expect them to sweep Jarvis. You expect them to sweep Jarvis. And if they come in and handle business against LSUA and UHV is able to do them some favors against Our Lady of the Lake, then congratulations, Shreveport. So there's like three different possible outcomes in this conference, Cody, that is going to hand itself a bid, a no-worries ticket-punched bid to the regular season champion. And we have a possible outcome for LSUA, who's going to have to handle business against Texas A&M Texarkana and then handle business against LSU Shreveport, their rival. We have an LSU Shreveport team that's got to basically win eight games in a row and then get some help. And then we have an Our Lady of the Lake team who's going to be really watching this weekend closely against Texarkana and then hoping you know, no matter what happens, that they go out there and play their play really good baseball in Victoria and then handle hope that LSU Shreveport can do them some favors if Texarkana doesn't do them some favors this weekend. This is going to be really, really interesting. Honestly, Our Lady of the Lake in second place, I like their spot the best. You know, they're in the best position currently. Because they're pretty much all they have less is a team that's five and eleven, seven and twenty-three overall. They handle business there. They're going to finish twenty and four. I mean, I believe they will. I think they're going to sweep. They'll be twenty and four in conference. Then when you start doing the math, you need LSU Alexandria in order to go twenty and four for LSUA. They have to win seven of eight. That means you got to win seven of eight against Texarkana and Shreveport. I don't see it. I just don't see it. So I, I think that six of eight is possible. You know, I think that they could win both series and drop a game each. I think that's possible. I think they could sweep Texarkana and then split with Shreveport. Uh, I think that's possible too. So I just, LSUA, man, you really, you're going to have to go on a run right now. And obviously you control your own destiny. If you go 8-0, the conference is yours. You got an automatic bid, you're going to an opening round. But you're going to have to play your best baseball right now against the best teams you'll have played all year, uh, potentially with Arizona Christian. So, I mean, Shreveport right now, for Shreveport, it's a long shot. Shreveport... You need to obviously go 8-0 the rest of the season. 
Yeah. You have to win your next eight games. And then you need uh, Houston Victoria to take two. Yeah. Uh, because you got swept. I mean, obviously, one's not going to cut it. You're only a game back, but you got swept. Uh, the tiebreaker, you'd be tied. There's no way that that would favor them. So you're going to need Victoria to take two. I just don't see that. I really don't. I think Our Lady of the Lake is going to handle business with everything on the line. Uh, I, I think that they're going to handle business. This is a really cool conference, though, obviously. I mean, you have a team with three losses, a team with four losses, and a team with five losses. And uh, the team with three and a team with five are playing each other. So it's going to be fun down the stretch. But, yeah, I like Our Lady of the Lake's chances. I mean, I put that out there on Tuesday when the top 25 came out last week, and uh, the schedule worked out for them. The loss to Southwest, that was surprising. I mean, Southwest, yeah. I, mean, I mean, they were – I mean, they're three and thirteen in conference. I did not see that coming. Right. So as long as they, you know, they handle business, but they can afford to drop a game. I mean, as long as if now LSU Alexandria comes out here and you know they sweep Texarkana, they're four and zero. Obviously, you don't go into next weekend thinking I can drop a game because if they take the series over Treeport, you're in trouble. But yeah, I just don't see it playing out like that. I really do like early to the late. I I'll tell you what, it's one of those things that I'm watching this weekend to see what happens with LSUA and Texarkana. Uh, and I'm watching it closely because if Saturday rolls around, next Saturday rolls around, and I've got a chance to be in Victoria when Our Lady of Lake clinches, I want to be there. I want to be. I think that would be good coverage for us. I don't mind the uh, 240 miles. It, it, it's something that it would be their first time. It's something that, I mean, I, I might be like waiting to see if I'm going to go even up until Friday, Cody into next Friday to see, am I going to Victoria to cover this or not? Because it's really going to come down to the wire. Our Lady Lake has to handle business those first two games against uh, UHV. They're going to need some help somewhere. I think Shreveport probably has the best opportunity to help them. Uh, But then at the same time, if you're Shreveport, you're going to be rooting for UHV. So it's definitely going to be interesting, man. This is and and LSUA and Our Lady Lake split. It's, it's a tough loss that, that Olu, gave up to Southwest. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, you Southwest just came out and, and want, you know, took that game from, they just took the game from them. So it's unavoidable. I think this conference is not the most crazy conference because the next one I think Cody is, is the wildest, but it's, it's another one that we've got here in the red river. That's got the most at stake for these teams, the most at stake. And when it comes to pitching, uh, so far this season, Our Lady Lake has been the best in the conference with LSUA being third, LSU Shreveport second, Texarkana in fourth there. And then when it comes to hitting offensively, Our Lady Lake's been fourth in the conference, but Shreveport and Texarkana, one, two, LSUA three. It's really going to be a topsy-turvy weekend in, in seeing what happens. And, and it's something that I'm not making any plans to go anywhere. I'm going to let Victoria know at some point, probably next week, that, you know, hey, this could happen depending on the results of this weekend. Uh, it's going to be really, really interesting. And I love when the Red River is like this. It's a two-bid league, and one goes to the regular season champion. Cody, this is going to be really exciting stuff down the stretch. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, we've talked about Alexandria the least. I feel I have at least. And, you know, if I'm wrong, feel free to get on Twitter, follow the St. Thomas <laughs> method. Uh, let me know how wrong I am. I mean, if they go 8-0, no, I will take exposed. Yeah, I mean, tackle, take, expose. If they go 8-0 against the stretch of Texarkana and Shreveport, no, they, they deserve it. To be, they deserve <laughs> yeah. it. They deserve to be conference champions. No argument from us. And, uh, they, you know, they went out there and they played Arizona Christian at eight games in a week. So, obviously, they tested themselves. And they know this weekend or these next two weekends, are, everything's on the line. And I think it's exciting. Like I said, obviously, you know, I'm sticking with the same strategy. I'm going to pick the team that has the easiest schedule, call it a cop-out, whatever, mm-hmm. but – uh. All right now, our lady of the lake sitting pretty good, but Shreveport, Alexandria, everything's left to play for. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, in this conference. I'm I'm really excited to see what goes on, Cody. We have one more conference to talk about this week, and it is the craziest of them all. It is not just the GSAC, but it is the GSAC East. Cody is the craziest of them all, and this is just a three-team division. Ottawa, Arizona, Arizona Christian, and the Masters. Now, here's what happens. If Arizona Christian takes three of four against the Masters this weekend, they will have tied record-wise with Ottawa, Arizona. If Arizona Christian wins all four, they sweep the series, 
they'll be ahead of Ottawa, Arizona. If the Masters sweeps the series, they will be tied with Ottawa, Arizona. And the Ottawa, Arizona won the season series. Ottawa, Arizona will move on to the GSAC Championship Series. If Ottawa, Arizona, and Arizona Christian are tied at 9-7 and seven after this weekend, it goes to what we're assuming looking at these bylaws in the uh, GSAC conference, what they have down for seating will go to these rules. And the first one is head-to-head. Well, guess what? Ottawa, Arizona, and Arizona Christian tied their season series this year. They played eight times, and they're four and four against each other. So then the second criteria involves head-to-head competition versus the rest of the GSAC. So it comes down to who played the Masters the best we, I mean, it can even go as far, if they have the season series tied there, it goes to bow chip. And I believe in this latest bow chip, Arizona Christian's like 40 places ahead of Ottawa, Arizona. There is going to be, I mean, this is madness. We could be talking about going all the way down to the third tiebreaker in this conference. Arizona Christian has to take care of business this weekend. They're on the road in California against a good program, program we know that went back-to-back World Series trips, and obviously they're down this year. But they have to take care of business. You have to win three of four. And we know the GSAC is 2-2 split like territory. That's all they do in the GSAC usually. If they sweep, like you said, then let's not even worry about it. Let's just exactly. But if they go on there and they win three and one, I, I'll be honest with you. I know I've been predicting a lot lately. I feel like <laughs> a three and one is coming. I feel like this mess is coming. I feel like it's going to get really cluttered. And uh, I don't, you know, they're going to have to break it down. They're going to have to go down the list of each criteria and find out who's going to represent their side and play Vanguard because this yeah. is huge. Obviously, there is no conference tournament for them. They only get a championship series, and. Uh, you're really going to have one team robbed of a chance to continue their season. So it's going to be tough either way. It'll be interesting, Cody, because, I mean, we had to really dig into how they figure out this tiebreaker. And it's crazy because at the end of the day, all of this, it's in Arizona Christian's hands. Ottawa, Arizona has to sit back and watch. They don't play this week. So it it is definitely going to be... Uh, really, really interesting to see what happens. I'm excited for this one the most out of everything because it happens this week. The, the Red River, we got to wait two weeks still. You know, uh, we have to read the tea leaves for that one. But the GSAC East gets decided this week. And if you're if you're Arizona Christian, I mean, going into it with a chance to to really hold your, you know, take advantage of your destiny with a sweep. But it, Cody, I mean, in this league, no matter who you're playing, to win four games in a row is extremely hard. I mean, they haven't done it yet. So they've played them eight times this year. They've played two four-game series, and they've yet to sweep them. Right now, you just want to play your best baseball. It feels kind of like all hands on deck for Arizona Christian. It has to be. Because if you go two and two this weekend, your season's over. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no next weekend. Like you said, everything's coming down to this weekend. Uh, I couldn't imagine what it's going to be like for Ottawa, Arizona, uh, watching that series, feeling pretty helpless. You know, if you know if you're down, they win the first three games. You know your season is on the line the next game. And yeah. If ACU wins that fourth game, you're done. Um, you know, and if they <laughs> don't win that fourth game, then you know who knows what's going to happen at that point. Then a lot of chaos ensues, and you know we kind of root for that kind of stuff around here. No, yeah, I mean we are huge fans of the chaos. We are huge, huge, huge proponents of chaos. I love chaos, uh, and I love chaos even more when I have you know when when I get to sit back and watch it. Um, it'll be really interesting. I'm excited to see what happens in the GSAC East, man, because I think that you know you go into a three game series with potentially probably what, what do you think in, in the West? If we look at the West standings. Uh, is there, you know, Vanguard pretty much has a two-game lead over Hope International. What do you think happens there in the, in the final? You know, Vanguard just needs to win the series over Westmont. Is that correct? Yeah, all Vanguard has to do is win the series. And even if they don't win the series, it's going to take some help. Like, I think Vanguard's in a really good shot. Uh, I think they've been the best team all year, and I just I don't think that that's going to change. Hope International obviously goes out there, sweeps William Jessup, and then Westmont wins the series over you. Oh, more obviously, chaos. Yeah, more chaos. And obviously we're wrong. Uh, I just don't see it happening. They split. Hope International and Jessup played earlier this year. They split. I think, obviously, I, th- I do think Hope International is going to win the series. Uh, I just don't think that yeah. they're going to sweep. I um, mean, if they do sweep, it puts pressure on Vanguard to at least split. But uh, I-, I think Hope International is going to win the series. 
I think Vanguard's going to win the series. I think both of those teams are going to make the tournament regardless. And yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, uh, it's if you're inside of that top 15, no matter what happens, you have to feel good about your chances for an at-large bid. Again, I hate the way that we do the tournament with so many auto bids. I, I don't think you know it should be decided on on how many teams you have in your conference because this is one of the best conferences in the nation. The the Southern states, one of the best conferences in the nation. The Sun Conference, one of the best conferences in the nation. So what I would say on a regular year would be three of the top five conferences in the nation only get one bid, Cody. That that to me is mind-blowing. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big proponent of the possible format we could be going to also. We'll see if this format is going to be used this year or not. All, all sorts of rumblings about that. But I, I just don't think competitive balance belongs in college sports. And I'm just really interested to see what happens down the road here, especially, you know, in this GSAC and the way that this, this national tournament continues to evolve. Uh, I, I love the idea of a three game series in, you know, championship series, but at the same time, I, I wish, you know, obviously for pandemic reasons, they're, they're playing, they're doing it that way, playing out, you know, instead of, having a regular conference tournament, I would have loved to have seen that a lot more. And and really I feel for the guys at Menlo who did not get a season this year in, in the GSAC. They were the only team not playing this year in the GSAC and really unfortunate situation for them this year, because we've, we've seen some really high quality baseball out of Vanguard hope international and just coming down to the wire this weekend. And that's why it's, it's the top priority for us between Ottawa, Arizona and Arizona Christian this weekend in our discussions for the week. So Cody, man, I mean, a lot to look at and a lot to watch. And we'll go over some of the games and series that people need to be watching from around the nation. But before that, it's our NAI ball hitter and pitcher of the week brought to you by Silverback Sports at Shop Silverback and ShopSilverback.com. Our hitter of the week, Cody, is Freed Hardeman's Josh Sears, 10 for 15 with two doubles, five home runs, 14 RBIs, 10 runs scored, and he walked five times our pitcher of the week is bethel indiana pitcher frank plesak who is 2-0 this week 2-0 had two complete games 14 innings pitch one earned run sat down 19 cody man two really good performances this week and we had a lot of great submissions thank you to everybody by the way who submitted uh, i think it was our most submissions ever this week for nai ball hitter and pitcher of the week yeah, we definitely got a lot of submissions, and we're definitely grateful for everyone that nominates their player because they're all deserving. Uh, Josh Sears, obviously incredible. 365 career hitter, up to 62 home runs now, 206 RBIs. Eclipse that 200 RBI mark, I know. I mean, to have 200 RBIs in, in college baseball is really just incredible. Uh, shout out to him for just being a consistently amazing hitter. You know, he didn't have the season he wanted, obviously. Last year, COVID, he was off to a pretty slow start. Not the case this season. 16 home runs this year. I mean, and a shout out to Plezak, Frank Plezak, the younger brother of Cleveland Indian starter, Zach Plezak, who actually throws tonight, by the way, picked up two complete games and to do it in conference, really good stuff. 14 innings, 19 strikeouts. Yeah, really, really, really great job by these guys this week to to nail down this award. It was a tough choice coming, coming down the wire here of who we were going to give this award to. And, um, Josh Sears, I mean, just incredible hitter, friend of the show, friend of the program, friend of NAI ball. And then Frank Plezak just absolutely got it done. Anytime you see a guy go 2-0 and with two complete games, I mean, it really makes you turn your head. And I think we had like two or three of those guys this week. So it was really a tough choice for pitcher of the week and uh, definitely a lot to look at this week. Again, if you want to continue to submit your submissions for next week, all you got to do is just – Tweet at us. Tweet at me, at RobG1063. Tweet at Cody, at NAI Ball. DM us. We'll take a look at who you got for our hitter and pitcher of the week with stats. Got to include stats. So, Cody, weekend games and series to watch, and we will kick things off with Cumberland, Tennessee versus Bethel, Tennessee, and we'll talk about the why that's special in a moment. Uh, Point Park takes on IU. Kokomo, Reinhardt versus Milligan, Judson. Olivet Nazarene. Kaiser takes on Warner, Oklahoma Wesleyan, and Ottawa. LSU Alexandria versus Texas A&M Texarkana. St. Thomas versus Southeastern. Doan, Ryder Cliff. Oklahoma City versus Southwestern Christian. Mobile, Loyola, and Point Tennessee Wesleyan. Any of those really pique your interest? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, Johnson, Olivet, Nazarene, obviously we mentioned it earlier. I think that's the best one right now for just to put everything on the line. St. Thomas, Southeastern, obviously. One thing I do want to throw in really quickly, and I don't want to harp on it too long because I know we moved on. If Westmont was to sweep Vanguard this weekend, Hope International and William Jessup were to split, there would be a three-way tie for first between <laughs> Vanguard, Westmont, and Hope International. So that would actually be madness. So now I'm actually rooting for. <laughs> That's uh, what we're rooting uh, for. Yeah, we want Westmont to sweep. Nothing personal. We love Vanguard. You know, we've been hyping them all season. And then we need William Jessup and Hope International to split. They'll all be 21 and 11, the top three in the conference. <laughs> you know, I don't know how they're going to figure that out. But I want that to happen. And I want Ottawa, Arizona, and Arizona Christian to be tied. And I want the commissioner <laughs> of the GSAC to just go on vacation. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, I'm out. I'm done with this. But, no, yeah, it's just absolute madness. I think it would be pretty cool. It would be. Uh, Cody, really quickly, I do have to mention, Cumberland, Tennessee, and Bethel, Tennessee, it is the final home games for retiring head baseball coach Woody Hunt in Lebanon, Tennessee, and uh, an absolutely special moment out there uh, for him. And and I know you and I are, are big fans of Coach Woody Hunt and everything that he means to the game. And if you just want to, you know, before me, if you just want to take a few moments to say what, you know, he's – and obviously our goal is to have him on at the end of the year, um, but what he's meant so far to, to not just his program but to – our program here at any eyeball just an absolute incredible person i mean obviously an incredible person a veteran a leader a coach father you know just really good person obviously we've mentioned time and time again reached out to both of us just been a huge fan ever since three-time national champion i've been to 12 world series just a decorated career he's obviously going to be remembered by us and other people for the rest forever like for the rest of time Uh, we'll be talking about woody hunt a long 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 time i don't think we mentioned it on the podcast yet but they have named his successor. It is his son, Ryan Hunt, who is the judo coach of Ball State. So he's going to come over and immediately step in in June, and he'll be the new Cumberland coach. So to just pass that along down from Coach Woody Hunt to Coach Ryan Hunt, I think that's incredible. And, you know, we're looking forward to connecting with their family because they're really good people. 1,000% agree. That was perfect, man. I mean, he, he means a lot to us. He's an incredible person, an incredible coach. He's somebody that, you know, when you notice him – walk into a room you know I've, I've been fortunate enough to be in the same room as him he just you can feel the knowledge and the things that he's seen not just in baseball but in life and, and you just want to talk to him for hours and you just want to pick his brain and you know how the game not just the the game of baseball but the nai has as you know the evolution of it he's seen it all and that's that's the greatest part. And we, you know, we're we're so thankful, Coach Hunt. You know, thank you for your contribution to not just baseball, but to the NAI. You know, it's because of people like you that there is an NAI ball because you know the effort that you put into your teams and and making men and and making people better, those around you. So, um, congratulations, Coach, on on a fabulous career. Congratulations to Ryan on on your new position, and you know also to Scott just for getting to be there as well and see everything and, and develop. I know that program means so much to him. So, you know, Woody, man, con- congratulations, coach. You, you deserve, you deserve everything. And we're, we're definitely thankful for, for all you've done for NAI ball and everything that you've done for the sport, for our sport. That's the thing we, we hit on the most Cody is this is our sport. Um, you know, we could cover other NAI sports, but we choose to do this 365 days a year because it is our sport. And guys like Woody Hunt embody that fully. So we are super thankful to him. It is now time for our big series of the week, brought to you by Silverback Sports at Shop Silverback and ShopSilverback.com for all of your arm care and training essential needs. And Cody said that earlier, he ruined the surprise. Antelope Valley. Ben U Mesa, big series of the week for UAV 14 and 3, a 369 team average through 17 games. That's that's extremely impressive. 594 team ERA. Dominic Enbody is hitting 474 with 27 hits, 21 RBIs. And then Isaiah Ramos is hitting or is pitching with a 375 ERA. He's 4-1 with a save, 36 innings pitched. In 50 punch-outs. For Ben U Mesa, they're actually getting ready to play Park Gilbert today. 
They're 24 and seven. They're hitting 322 as a team. They have a 347 team ERA. Michael Garverick is hitting 383 with 44 hits, 22 extra base hits, five home runs, 35 RBIs. And then Tyler Jacobson, Cody on the mound with a 195 ERA, a four and one record, 50 and two thirds innings pitch, and not a lot of strikeouts, 44. So he's not averaging a strikeout per inning, but he's pitching a bad contact and he's getting it done. This is going to be a fantastic series because we will definitely learn a lot about who gets that number one bid in a one-bid conference that you have to win the conference tournament. I think this is a one-bid league, and it's unfortunate that it's a one-bid league this year because we feel that Antelope Valley maybe with an earlier start, it's just hard to say that you know the committee's going to do them any favors when they didn't start till mid-March. That's not really their fault. I, I understand you know COVID restrictions in the state of California, COVID restrictions – uh, for their own school, maybe for their, you know, for, for you can't, if the president of the university says something, you got to do it. it. It's just unfortunately the way, the way that it is. You can't really fight it and go play on the sandlot and figure things out. It's unfortunate. They started in mid-March. They're, they're only going to play a 20 game season and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. This is going to be a good battle. I mean, of course it is. This is the top two teams in the Cal Pack for several years running. I mean, they've literally battled for that conference championship banner multiple years now in a row. I mean, they've been the one and two. So these teams have played 22 times since 2017, and they are even 11 and 11. They've split 22 games. I mean, it just shows you how competitive the series is. Benyu Mesa won the series last year. They were able to play in March last season. Best two teams in the conference. Really looking forward to it. Curious to see, like, you know, do they show everything coming up? Like, there's no bid on the line for the regular season or anything like that. Now, you want to be the one seed, though, so obviously playing for conference seeding. And, uh, yeah, I just I think this is a preview of what's to come later in Lancaster. I think it's a preview to come in the conference tournament, and uh, I think they're going to duke it out later in May. Yeah, this is going to be a really an interesting one. This has been the two best teams in that conference, and if you're Ben Mesa, Cody, do you think that there might be a little bit of, of added, maybe not now, but going into the conference tournament if you lose this series? a little bit of added pressure knowing that in the past you've been kept out of the tournament and they could legitimately finish the year, you know, with nine losses, less than 10 losses and uh, still be on the outside looking in of, of a tournament that's only got 15 auto uh, 15 at large bids. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I feel like if Ben you handles business this weekend, they take care of, they win this series. They have a shot to be an at large, probably a pretty good shot. I mean, I would say that, there's chances, especially I think it doesn't hurt them that they got, you know, they got left out a couple of years ago and, you know, maybe they'll get one back this time, you know, like a makeup call, like a foul, you know, basketball. <laughs> uh, so then maybe they get a makeup call, but I really don't know. But uh, this is going to be a really good series between the, obviously the two best teams in the conference. I'm just curious to see if they're going to treat it like all hands on deck or, you know, do they hold back a little bit knowing that, hey, we're going to have to play this team again in May when it really counts. But for being you, you just want to keep climbing the pole. Who do you think Mikey Presnegrone is rooting for? His job or his oh, alma mater? Of course. Of course. <laughs> the uh, people who sign his check? Yeah, he's going to have to go for Binyu. I think I think that's going to be the case now. That, that's going to be a weird one for him because I feel like he's played with people in the other dugout. And, you know, he was a member of the UAV team that went to the World Series just a few years ago. Um so it, it's going to be a really interesting one there for him, but he's the first person I think of in this in this matchup. But I'm I'm super excited for this one. It's going to be a really good matchup in the Cal Pack. This was a West Coast heavy show this week, Cody. Yeah, it really was. I mean, obviously it was a Cal Pack heavy show and a GSAC heavy show. But hey, we get those listeners in California, so we appreciate you fellas. Absolutely, you know, LA, one of the top markets, along with Kansas City, our friends over in Kansas City. We definitely enjoy them listening over there cody man before we get going i want to say uh we do have one of the new awards that we have this year is going to be the assistant coach of the year award i wanted to kind of talk about the process for that we will only accept nominations from the head coach for that award if you are a head coach listening to this if you would like to nominate your assistant does it can be the ga it can be the volunteer it can be you know the head assistant Please email us with the reasons why you feel that assistant coach is deserving of the award, why he embodies your program on and off the field, and what he does for your program and beyond. 
you know, uh, these guys, I, I know the grind of it, you know, scouting reports. Sometimes you got to do uh, scouting reports, laundry, and, you know, study all in the same night because you're, you're not done. You know, there, there's so many guys out there that um, do that on a regular basis. So if you're a head coach listening to this, we will only accept nominations for assistant of the year from the head coach via email with reasons. If you want to do a paragraph, go ahead. If you want to write me a novel about it, go ahead. If you just want to bullet list bullet points about why your assistant that you're choosing, whether it be a GA, a volunteer, or your head assistant, anything like that deserve is deserving of this. Please start sending those in as we are getting closer and closer to the season. Of course, the awards don't come out till after the world series when we have a year end final show. So Cody, Man, final thoughts for the week. It was really a, an in-depth show again this week. Absolutely. You know, we jumped from conference to conference. Obviously, the CCAC and the WAC, we haven't talked about y'all much this year, but, you know, your time is up now. Uh, we're talking about you now. Like, we're going to talk about you the rest of the way. Y'all have the closest conference races. Also going with the GSAC, too. We're going to continue to just bounce around the country and look and give our opinions <laughs> on what we can find. And I definitely think that this week we hit the spots that were the closest. Absolutely agree, man. Uh, and definitely, uh, as always, thank you for joining me on the NAI Ball Podcast. That'll do it for us this week, Season 4, Episode 13. As always, you can find me, the host of the NAI Ball Podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 on Twitter. If you ever want to talk NAI baseball, just go ahead and hit me up. You can find Cody at NAI Ball for all of your new stat scores and information from around the nation. That'll do it for us this week on behalf of our Intern Connor Darnell for Cody Butler. I'm Robbie Gutierrez. We hope you have a great day and even better tomorrow. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>